Welcome to Wildwood College Life of Wildwood Community Church in Norman, Oklahoma. We are four following Jesus together to the glory of God. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Bible teaching, breakfast, and fellowship, and would love to see you there this week. Follow us on Instagram at Wildwood College for more information. And with that, let's dive into this week's message. The focus of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are about the importance of love, obedience, and doctrinal truth. Okay, and so then he begins, what Kevin talked about last time was he begins the book of 1st John, uh, kind of giving, painting a picture of what uh, Jesus Christ looks like, right? And then he moves into what we discussed with Kevin about chapter, starting in chapter 1, verse 5 to chapter 2, verse 2, that having fellowship with God will lead us to a holy life. And because God demonstrates his love for us by dwelling with, within us, then we testify this reality by obeying him. And so today we're going to pick up uh, in the verse we just read. So we're going to pick up in chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. And we're going to see that our outward actions will reveal our inward reality. And because God has indwelled us as believers with the Holy Spirit, we will demonstrate this reality by obeying God and expressing true love. So I'm going to introduce our points. Uh, so we're going to see that our outward actions will reveal our inward reality through one, knowing God will cause us to obey him. We will grow in sacrificial Christ-like love. And third, we will love fellow believers. And so before we begin, I think it's important to kind of uh, remind us of an important theme Kevin talked about last time uh, and some of the language that uh, John uses in the text. And so there's a lot of symbolism that takes place, a lot about uh, light and darkness. And so it's just important to see why John uses this language. And so throughout Scripture, uh, John, or throughout scripture, light is used as a metaphor for righteousness or purity. Jesus is called the light of the world and the true light in the book of John. And in 1 Thessalonians, believers are called children of light. And Proverbs 4.18 describes righteousness as the morning sun. And then in contrast, darkness is a negative metaphor for evil. John's gospel says that the darkness has not overcome the light. In Ephesians 6 describes evil spiritual forces as the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And Luke chronicles uh, Zechariah's prophecy of Jesus that he would give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. So keep that in mind as we read the passage. Um, but first, uh, by show of hands, has anyone seen the new Minions movie, Rise of Gru? Or I don't know what it's called. So I haven't seen it, but uh, it looks pretty good. And I've heard a lot of hype. I've seen the Despicable Me movies, uh, and so I don't know if you guys seen like on Instagram or like TikTok, uh, people are like going to see it and they like got their suits on, and uh, I don't know, it's pretty cool. But I looked it up, and it's like the it grossed 123 million dollars in uh, opening weekend. That makes it like the highest grossing uh, series of an animated movie. It's pretty wild. But so I bring this up. Oh, actually, I looked up some characteristics of a minion. Because when you looked at it, you, you could immediately see that that's a minion, right? And so the characteristics I look up, uh, they're listed as a minion's tiny, it's yellow, it's earnestly driven by the desire to serve an evil boss, they're easily distracted, and they're generally inept. And so I'd say that accurately describes, describes a minion, right? So if I put a picture on the screen of a tiny blue person and said that was a minion, you'd be like, no, dude, that's a smurf. That's not a minion. You, you know it by what you see, that it's a, it's a minion. And so a minion's not a minion if he's not yellow. 
So there are certain qualities or characteristics that help us identify that they are indeed minions. And so I bring that up to say that in this passage we're about to read, uh, John is telling us, hey, here's how you can identify a true believer. How can we identify a follower of Jesus? So if you guys open up 1 John 2, starting in verse 3. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. All right, so we're going to break that up and we're going to first look at verses 3 to 6. We're going to see how our outward actions reveal our inward identity. So first we'll, yeah, verse 3. And so by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So what does John mean when he says to know God? Like what does that, what does that mean? So what John's referring to is a personal relationship with God. And so to know God means to have a personal relationship with him. And what does he mean by keep his commandments? So the Greek verb that's used there uh, refers to maintaining or guarding, and in this context, obeying. And so he says, how do, we, how do we know if we know God? We obey God. And so John is showing us that assurance of salvation is possible. The test he gives us here is, do professing Christians have a changed life and keep the Lord's commandments? Our obedience to God does not justify us. That is only by grace through faith. But obedience to God as a pattern of life does give evidence that one has been justified before God. Let me repeat that. Our obedience to God does not justify us. That is only by grace through faith. But obedience to God as a pattern of life does give evidence that one has been justified before God. Our personal relationship with him will transform our behavior. Continuing in verse 4, John kind of explains the state of someone who does not obey God. Um, and so, you, yeah, yeah, so whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So the person who doesn't obey his commandments, he proves that he's a liar, he's a, the truth's not in him. True faith always produces obedience. So 1 John 2.4, whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So John's saying any claim to know God that is not followed by obedience is a lie. So if we look back in chapter 1, this is kind of a variation of the couple of verses that uh, John writes there. And so if you look at 1.6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And then in verse 10 of chapter 1, the person who claimed to have no sin made God a liar. But here, 2.4, the person who claims to know God but does not obey him is a liar. The truth is not in him. True faith always produces obedience. And so if we look at the first part of verse 5, sweet, uh, but whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. So now he's saying the inverse truth from verse 4. As disobedience disproves a claim to know God, obedience substantiates that claim. Note that John is using his word as a synonym uh, 
for God's commands, and he's showing us that our love for God comes to its proper completion as it results in obedience to God. And so if we look at the second half of verse 5 and verse 6, by this we know that we are in him, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So by this we may know. So John is emphasizing how can we know if someone's a believer. So this is He's emphasizing obedience as proof of our conversion to Christ. When John says we ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, talking about Jesus Christ. We should strive to be like Christ and become more like him every day. That's what our sanctification is. It's becoming more in practice what we are in position. The point of this section is that knowing God will cause us to obey him. Obedience is non-negotiable. John is not saying obey so that you may be forgiven. He's telling us to obey because we have been forgiven. John wants to show us how to recognize someone who no, truly knows God. And there's a similar verse in John uh, where Jesus says, uh, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come, and he will come to him and make our home with him. So if we look at uh, the first part of verse five, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And so what does it mean to keep his word? So he's using that as a synonym uh, for keeping his commandments. And so in him, in God, the love of God is perfected. So our love for God is perfected in our obedience to him. And so our love for God comes to its proper completion as it results in obedience to God. So knowing God will cause us to obey him. That's what the, all these verses are showing us. And so we look at verse 5, second half of that to verse 6. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so who is he talking about? Who are we walking the same way as who? So John is referencing Jesus there. And so we're not obviously going to live exactly the same way Jesus lived. That's impossible. But our lives are going to uh, reflect Jesus' life, right? We're going to strive to become more like him every day. And we're going to walk in the same way in which he walked. So if we look at John 14, 23. So one of the uh, Pharisees of the time comes to Jesus and he asks him, uh, oh, actually, Back up. I'm just going to read this. So Jesus answered him. No, my bad. Not you. <laughs> so Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. So that's just another verse uh, in John, same writer, uh, that shows that if we love him, we're going to keep his word. We're going to obey his commands. So we're going to move on to verse 7 and 8. And so we're going to look at how they reveal to us that we will grow in sacrificial Christ-like love. So if we start in verse 7, uh, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. All right, so we look at verse 7. We'll read that one more time. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning, the old commandment is the word you have heard. So John begins this verse by calling his readers beloved. So when I read that the first couple of times, I just kind of breezed through that. But it's interesting because it, he uses that very intentionally. Not only are they loved by John, but more importantly, they're loved by God. And so our status as believers, it's not like God saves us like, uh, fine, I'll save him. It's he wants to save us. He loves us. And our status as Christians is that we're loved by God. The readers are God's beloved. So next, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment. So what's the old commandment that John's referring to? 
So the old commandment that he's talking about, it's found in the Old Testament in Leviticus 19.18 and Deuteronomy 6.5, which command us to love God and love others. And in the Old, or New Testament, Jesus confirms this in Matthew chapter 22. So the Pharisees come up to him and they ask him, they say, teacher, what's the greatest commandment? And he answers them in verse 37. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so if we go on to verse 8, John says, At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. All right, so we just established in verse 7 that this is an old commandment. He says, I'm not writing a new commandment, but it's an old commandment. And now in the next verse, he says, I'm, At the same time, I am writing you a new commandment. And so, how is this commandment new? Uh, so if we look at John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And so the command to love one's neighbor is not anything that's new. The newness is found in loving one another as Jesus has lo had loved his disciples. Jesus displayed the ultimate expression of love by taking the punishment that we deserve by dying on the cross Jesus perfectly fulfilled this command to love. So I'll say that again. The command to love one's neighbor is not new. The newness is found in loving one another as Jesus had loved his disciples. Oh, I found the page I, was lo I lost earlier. All right. So while, while we aren't going to die on a cross for each other, Jesus calls us to love others the way he did, which is sacrificially. So if you go, can you go back one? He says that you love one another just as I have loved you. So in the same way, we're going to love others the way Jesus loved us, which was sacrificially. Because of what Christ did for us on the cross, we can display a sacrificial love to a dark world. And so then if we go on to the next point, the last sign that we truly know Christ is that we love fellow believers. So if we look at verses 9 to 11, verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So if we look back at verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. So John here is continuing uh, this uh, analogy about lightness and darkness that he reintroduced back in verse 8. So anyone who claims to be in the light, but at the same time they hate another believer, he's saying they have no idea what they're talking about. What does John mean by brother when he says if they hate a brother? A brother is any man or woman who's a fellow follower of Jesus Christ. A fellow believer. Hatred of a fellow believer has no place in the kingdom of light. Hatred is a refutation of claiming to know God. I'll repeat that one more time. Hatred is a refutation of claiming to know God. So we go on to verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So this is kind of an inverse of the previous verse in 9. So the one who obeys the command to love is in the light. They show that they know God through their love for believers. So just as someone who hates believers, they show that they aren't actually in the light, when someone loves believers, they show that they are in the light. And in him, 
the next part, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. When we love other believers, we encourage rather than discourage our witness to others of what Christ has done in our lives. When we love other believers, we encourage rather than discourage our witness to others of what Christ has done in our lives. All right, if we look at the last verse, verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So here John's going back to the state of the person who hates the believer. He says that they are in darkness, they walk in it. So he's repeating what he said in verse 9, that this person uh, is totally outside of the kingdom of God. And when he emphasizes, he says, they walk in darkness. He's stressing that the unbelievers ongoing rebellion against God, they are completely lost. He says that the darkness has blinded his eyes. He's showing us that sin blinds us to truth. It's only through an act of the Holy Spirit that our eyes can be open to the truth. We can share the gospel with someone all day, but it's only through the Holy Spirit revealing himself to them that they're going to see the truth. Love for fellow believers is a non-negotiable part of the Christian life. If someone claims to be a follower of Christ and yet does not love other believers, people that Jesus died on a cross for, then that person has not truly placed their faith in Christ. And so he tells us we need to love others. And our love is not going to be perfect, but if we have truly experienced the love of Christ, our love is going to be present. If we find ourselves hating a believer, we need to go before God and examine our hearts. If we encounter someone who claims to be a follower of Christ, and yet they uh, don't show any pattern of obedience to God, and they hate other, other people that Christ died for, then we need to pray that God would open their blind eyes, and that they can see the truth that's revealed in this text. We also need to share the gospel with them, that even though all of humanity, every single one of us, has rebelled against a good and holy God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, and rose again three days later, so that if we repent and place our faith in him, we can be made right and justified before a good and holy God. That's the good news.